Welcome back. It's What the Frap. I'm Jay Zilla, right? <laughs> it's been a while. Thank you guys for being patient. I've got with me uh, my, my main man, Craig Juday, right? Talking a little stocks. What's happening, man? I'm all right. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good, except for that intro. Man, I'm a little rusty, you know? Just a little rusty, but it's all it good. Right. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, man. How have you been? Good, good. I've been good. Family life, I, uh, and you know, you got a lot of changes recently. A lot of changes, good changes, but but good. Yeah. Well, for oh, one, good. I'm looking at this beautiful carpet that looks unsullied by people trampling over it. Is this yeah, a new keep spot? the door shut. No children, no dogs. This is this is my safe space. <laughs> this is my safe space. Dare I call it a, a man cave of sorts? Yeah, Jasmine has some ideas for other parts of the room, but uh, I'm going to put that off as long as possible. <laughs> Here's to you, man. Keep up the good fight, man. Thanks. So, look, last time we talked on this show, you were Walgreens guy making the transition to full-time trader, day trader. It's day trader? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, talk to me a little bit about that. Where are we at now? Well, full time as of uh, I know I just posted it on Facebook and I can't remember the date anymore. But uh, my last day at Walgreens was August thirty first, mm-hmm. and I've been uh, full time into this since then, uh, officially full time. But I mean, I've you know dabbled for years. But yeah, I left Walgreens August thirty first, <clears throat> and uh, now I do this full time from home. That's amazing, man. How was that transition? Like, cause scary, right? Scary, <laughs> cause even so scary. Even me with my little bitty jobs. I worked at Walgreens forever. Right. Like I started there when I was seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen, eighteen. Been there for forever. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly how to do my job. I had stability, benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, yeah, that's incredibly scary. But. Uh, I knew what I wanted to do. I had a roughly three-year plan in place, and we made it happen. And I say we because without Jasmine, that would not ha- this would not have happened. Period. Shout out to the lady. Like, man, let me tell you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't understand how I didn't just like wander into the street and get hit by a car before I met you know, well, not met, but before I married my wife. So I'm the, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, I mean, we had a plan. Like, she was in PA school. And we both knew that before I could do this full time, we had to get her through PA school. We had to get her working stable, you know, at a job with income level that we felt comfortable for me to make the change and, you know, all those different things. So we had a plan and we executed what it comes down to. We executed the plan beautifully. And I give her all the credit because PA school, uh, I don't know if there's anybody that has either went through it or been around somebody that has went through it, but it is brutal. So you sound like a brutal. coach, man. And I told you before, you, you kind of invoking the, the Zaynan, right? You got the beard, the glasses, and the hat. Ah, big brother Brian. <laughs> I hope he Shout out to that guy. This. Oh, he will. I will shove it down his throat. Honestly, when I was in Tennessee, uh, I didn't even realize, like, Jordan, you know, his son was paying attention to my little show. But I went on, like, a little hiatus, and he was like, haven't seen anything posted on what the frap. So what the frap? And I was like, oh, okay. I'm gonna post something. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> you know? I, I talk to him on rare occasions, but it's uh, 
it's far and few between. You know, he we're both. You know how it is. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody's busy. We got some distance between us now, so. Stuff. Not even the distance, man. The family, the scheduling, and all of that. Well, Jordan does eighteen different things a day. <laughs> yeah. He's a superstar in every sport known to man. But looks cool while he does it. Boom! As I point to the camera. Right. Shout out to Jordan Zayden. That, that kid is gonna be amazing. Oh yeah, he'll pay Brian's bills one day. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. I know Brian's like calendar days. Hey, remember that one time I took you to pray? Took you to practice? Yep. Huh? Yep. Fed you my whole life, boy. <laughs> Oh man, but I'll tell you, I love how we're getting on this tangent because, like, seeing like proud fathers like that, you know, and shout out to Bridget too, man. She, whew, you talk about a mama bear. Haven't I haven't met her? I've seen her. I've seen him post about mm-hmm. her. Haven't met her, but I, all I know is if she can put up with Brian's age, <laughs> good woman. You know, I told him, I was like, you're so much better now. Like, what is that, right? Because he he said the same thing about me. He's like, man. I, Came a long way, buddy. Because <laughs> he saw me in some very, very low points. and um, But I asked him, you know, so one, me and Bridget put together that we were from the same boxing uh, gym there in Columbia. Right? At, shout out to yeah. Dr. H. Right? Because <laughs> So we were there, and I didn't know her, know her, but I know she boxes. Right? And, I, and that's when it clicked for me of like, oh, I got it. That's all he needed. Somebody with a strong left hook. And now, you know, he's – I'm going to say, like, he'll hate this, but, you know, he's running Nissan and Jordan's doing well and, and you know, she's keeping that whole household in line. It's great. Yeah. Which reminds – so, going back to you, you two making the three-year plan. Now, is this one of those things where, like, you were like, okay, here's the plan. Do you agree? Because a lot of times me and my wife, we do oh. give and take, but a lot of a lot of it is her planning – and me like signing off on it, like, and I feel like she does that just to help me keep my ego. <laughs> She's like, "Here's no, the no, entire no, life. I, what do you think?" Yeah, I went to her and told her what I exactly I wanted to do. But I, the one thing I'll say about her, because this whole process is inte- incredibly risky, right? Changing careers is risky, let alone into something like this where there's no quote unquote guaranteed income. It's incredibly risky, right? Right. Uh, but she was behind me 100% from day one. And we there was some give and take, you know, point, I guess point A was get her through PA school. Mm-hmm. That had to be accomplished no matter what. That was her dream, something she had been working on for a very long time. So that had to happen first. Uh, but in that whole process, I was still studying. But, um, yeah, she backed me 100% of the way. And PA school, is that physician's <laughs> assistant? What is it? Yeah, like a nurse practitioner, physician assistant, that type. If you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. that's who you're seeing. Nice. Yeah. So, um, And that's great, right? To be able to say, hey, here's what I want to yeah. do. Without everything completely mapped out, because there's so many variables during a transition like that, right? Like that. COVID was a big one. <laughs> COVID was major. Just a little bit. You know, the omnipresent well, COVID. Everything. Oh, my goodness. Everything. It's literally in everything. <laughs> I, I won't lie, uh, that kind of expedited my uh, leaving Walgreens a little bit earlier than maybe anticipated because it was horrible, horrible. Right. I feel so bad for anybody that works in any shape or form in healthcare, like Jasmine PA, whether you work in a pharmacy, retail pharmacy, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Anything in that realm dealing with COVID. Right. <laughs> I feel for all those people. When, uh, you know, my daughter, I asked, I, we gave our kids the option for the vaccine and whatnot. And uh, so 
one of them, the youngest one, when she finally uh, was like, you know, hey, I think I, I do want to get the shot. You know, because at first she was against it. You know, I told her, well, I mean, you look into it yourself, and I want you to feel comfortable, right? Because in our house, it's like, if you get the shot, great. You kind of follow, you know, COVID protocols, right? Because it's not 100%. Nothing's yep. 100%. If you don't, right. Right. you're going to follow COVID protocols, right? And so when she did it, I literally asked the physician, because I was looking at the line and stuff. I was like, no, we did it like a Walmart. And I was like, man, are you allowed to take tips? He's like, no, sir, we're not. I was like, man, man. I said, so if I just dropped like some, you know, money or got you lunch and just dropped it there, you can't, you can't touch it. He's like, oh, no, sir, we can't. I was like, that sucks. Yeah. Because you people yeah. deserve so much more. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, tough. Yeah. But yeah, we uh, we fought through that, tooth and nail. We fought through it. She she did a lot of fighting with PA school. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of fighting for this, but we made it. So we're we're we just moved. She's in her job. I'm transitioned into mine and we're rolling right along <clears throat> that's awesome how's she liking it man i mean she loves it i mean it's tough right like it's tough especially dealing with covid she actually where she works they've had a couple uh covid outbreaks either with patients or staff yeah. or whatever um and that makes it tough day to day very tough but she's also mentioned to me that she feels like this job is what she was put on this earth to do. Like, she's a caregiver. She's always been like that. She's that for the household. She's transitioned out to a work life, and she's doing something at the end of the day that she loves to do. And she's making a huge difference. Like, what I'm doing, I love it. I am making zero difference in the world. <laughs> like, really, you know, this is just for me. Uh, but what she does on a daily basis is, I mean, you know, Anybody in healthcare makes huge differences in the world. So, but yeah, she loves right. it. Absolutely loves it. But you got to think about like short term, long term, right? You see, we trying to sound mm-hmm. day tradery. <laughs> short term, <laughs> long term, right? For people in that yeah. medical, they're absolute heroes, right? You know, military, yeah. Yeah. like all these people who are doing things that help right away, right in present day, right, 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 right. But people like you keep the whole thing going right you're a consumer i mean you're, you're working this stock market keep the wheel turning right but you're also not the evil villain you know even though you got the no, chair sway no. going hmm are you missing this long evil looking beard and the cat well you know what's funny is a lot of people think i am a, you i uh, i do some short selling mm. and dude i'm gonna tell you the reaction you get from some people when you short sell their beloved stock like oh god you're the worst person on earth <laughs> like no. So yeah, at times I'm the villain, but I don't know. I love it. Well, so now we're getting to our next little section here, right? Because I look at all your stuff and it seems like I'm watching the, the a Matrix movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you even just now saying, you know, well, some people look at me as an evil villain because I short sell them. Like, what did you just say? Like, what is this short selling stuff? Can you break it down for me? Yeah, so... <sighs> Essentially, everyone knows the, the, the general gist of a stock. You buy low, right? You sell high. That's how you make money. You buy it at a dollar, you sell it at $2, you make money. That's the thing everybody knows. But actually, in the stock market, you can actually you can reverse that. You can bet on a stock to fail. So if I think a stock is overextended or, or, or whatever my thesis is, I can choose to short that stock and actually bet that it's going to fail. So I would actually hope it goes from two dollars to a dollar, or whatever the case may be. But you can actually, yeah, you can, you can short sell, 
it's more involved. It's a little bit riskier. There's more factors that play into it. You got to find shares to borrow and all these different things. But uh, I, I do a fair amount of that for sure. Okay. Now so, I can see how they look at you like the evil villain. Because whether it happens... Yeah, because I'm betting on the stock that they love to fail. Right, right. Yeah. They're baby, right, in a lot of cases. You yeah, know? absolutely. A lot of these companies that I'm shorting, people think they're the next Microsoft or Google or Amazon or they're going to cure cancer, mm -hmm. which all of that is as far from the truth as could humanly be possible. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, maybe one out of a billion, that might be the case. <clears throat> but 99% of the time, these things fail, so... I know that, and I just I pl I play statistics. You know, right. I'm not an emotional trader, emotional person. I just trade the numbers and the statistics and keep things mathematical. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, people get really uh, offended when you short their their beloved company. Oh, I know the feeling. Hurt some feelings. I know the feeling. Like I I literally I recently had to do some uh, paperwork, and with our LLC, we don't have to, you know we don't have any losses to show uh, for mm -hmm. our last tax uh, period or whatever. So there's no losses, there are no gains, so they couldn't really quantify it. And so well, as I'm sitting here trying to explain, because we have like timesheets and stuff, and here's how much time I, you know, shot each episode of whatever, or editing time, all that. But she was like, so you make videos and you post them on Facebook? Like, oh, I was so hurt. It was her tone <laughs> and everything. Like, you sound like my 12-year-old nephew. Why should we count this as a business? <gasps> What did you just say? Oh, my! I was so in my feelings. I was like, I wish I could just march down there and I'll show her what I all this stuff that I do. Right? You know, it's work. Show your revenue sheets after a couple of years. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that'd be great. Uh -huh. But yeah, definitely some serious motivation. I was like, man, I gotta do something better. Kind of like you with the pandemic, right? This was a big catalyst for a lot of people who realize, you know, yeah. hey man, what I'm doing isn't enough. And there, I have right. options. I do have options. I don't have to just work here, you know, until retirement, right? That's not the plan, just to work, put my head down, work till retirement. I mean, unless you're doing something that you love. Otherwise, you're just hoping for a good retirement, and then I'm going to go see Greece, right? Then I'm going to enjoy time <laughs> right. with my family. A lot of people woke up to that because of this pandemic, man. So, I mean... People putting plans together. I love how you guys plan it, though. Three-year plan. She gets out of PA school. Yep. You make the transition. And now you're Morpheus. <laughs> it's great. Morpheus. What? It took a long time. It was a long three-year road, and it felt like it was never going to arrive, but made it. Right. So speaking of hardware, right? Yeah, so when I look at stuff like this, Mr. Jude, what the frap, man? <laughs> So, so this is, let me just say, first of all, company, pretty irrelevant. The pattern is all that really matters. And this is over the course of an entire year, right? This is a one-year chart. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not really trading one-year charts per se. I'm trading stuff in that day, in that moment. But every chart I trade, I always look at big picture, right? So I always look at a year-long chart, six months, three months, whatever. But anytime I pull up a chart over the course of a year, whatever, every chart Every stock I trade has to fit essentially this pattern, right? Oh. Like I want every stock I trade to look roughly like this. I could pull up 50 charts or more that all pretty much follow the same criteria. So I want everything. This is what's ultimately called a supernova pattern, all right? This thing went from at one point in time, the low was six cents. 
and it got all the way up to $3.40. Both amounts sound pretty low, but when you think about that and add in some share size, right? Right. So at one point, this stock before the, this massive huge run-up, at the low point before this massive run-up, it was at $0.40, cents, right? I could buy 1,000 shares of that. That's not a huge investment, right? Right. 1,000 shares, 400 bucks of this stuff. Goes all the way up to three dollars and forty cents. Right, you sell that thousand shares at three dollars and forty cents. You just made three thousand dollars, like in a day, two, whatever. So every stock I trade has to follow this criteria. I'm hunting volatility. At the end of the day, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for these volatile stocks that move extreme points one way or the other. So if there's no volatility. I'm not interested. Like if you look at the left-hand side of this chart or the right-hand side of this chart, none of that interests me. Mm. Only looking for this middle ground here. That's what I'm hunting. I'm hunting these supernovas that go completely parabolic, have these huge crashes. So this thing went from, like I said, 35, 40 cents Mm -hmm. in just a couple days all the way up to $3 and 40 cents. Like, just a couple days that's insane that's like thousands of percent right right? like three thousand percent or something crazy and then look how i mean two days later it's back down to 75 cents so what happened there so i don't know if you can see this now i'm gonna butt in with my mouse can you see my mouse (laughs) i can't but it's fine i can i can pretty much tell you like because every stock that i trade has this pattern and they all pretty much follow the same criteria uh, there could be some good news that kind of ignites this this fuel, mm-hmm. right? This initial little small run up could be because of some good news. <clears throat> but then, uh, you ever heard of? Uh, everybody's heard of Wolf of Wall Street, yes? Right? Everybody, everybody knows Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street. Dude is uh, he was not a good trader. He wasn't really a trader at all. All he did was promote these crap companies, and he would artificially increase these prices, like. Boiler rooms. You've heard the term boiler rooms. They do the same type of thing. Mm. Well, now, in, in modern day, there's no boiler rooms. There's not really any Jordan Belforts of the world because the SEC is kind of – anyway, Twitter now, social media and right. Twitter, all these uh, um, gurus, quote-unquote, <laughs> loosely use that word, will promote these stocks. So like this one in particular, mm. during this time period, there were so many gurus on Twitter saying this is going to be huge, this thing's going to $20 a share, and all their, they have hundreds of thousands of followers. Right. <clears throat> and they'll jump in these things. And it will create this artificial move. This stock has no business being over a oh. dollar a share. But it'll create this artificial move that I just take advantage of. I see. So when you do that, it, when you do that, does that like, I mean for the company I guess, is that good or bad? Yeah, so what the companies oftentimes do, because a lot of times the companies will be in on these these pumps, as they're called. Mm-hmm. The the companies will throw out some PRs. Wait, what are PRs? You know, press releases. Press releases. Press releases. They'll throw out some press releases. Okay. And they can have some legitimate good news, but they'll put out press releases like, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing this. We're releasing this new product that's going to cure COVID or what. Like, they will throw out some outrageous press mm-hmm. releases, and they can pretty much say whatever they want in these press releases. Because at the bottom of their press release, where no one reads in super small print, they'll say these are all forward-looking statements, not you know, not entirely factual, backed by data, whatever. Oh. Like they're protecting themselves, but no one ever reads down that right. far. 
<clears throat> they just read the headline. Stock goes up 2,000%. So there's a lot of people involved in these pumps, <clears throat> and they will go parabolic, but as fast as they went up, they will come back down. So when you talk about the SEC, it's not my beloved football conference. <laughs> no, no. We're talking about security. Securities and exchange commission. Yes, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so now, have they not regulated that? Like, these pumps? So that's the thing, like... How would you? It's not... It's not enti- It's not entirely illegal, right? It's unethical. And there are people who take that unethical thing or level to an illegal mm-hmm. level where they throw out some completely fictional um, revenue numbers or hard numbers. That's very illegal. Right. But these companies, you know... This one in particular, they had a little bit of good news, and I remember a little bit they had some good news, but then it was just press release after press release after press release, you know, which is not illegal to do. They're just forward-looking statements. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, a lot of times, it's complete BS, you know. Or you'll see these uh, biotech companies <clears throat> that'll have a study of ten people, and of those ten people, six of them showed improvement. So like, oh, we have a sixty percent success rate on this. But it was such a small sample size. Can you really scale that? You know, you don't know all the the different underlying factors. They can highlight, you know, and romanticize whatever part of their study that they want to push. Right. So it's an artificial move. But these companies, the the people that own this Mm -hmm. company, what they did and what they often do is they'll they'll get this jacked up artificial move and then they will do what's called an offering where they will offer up insiders free shares to liquidate at this artificially increased price so the insiders the ceos those type of people make a ton of money it crashes the stock prices which is exactly what happened and everybody you know the the, the retail traders get screwed because they're buying it you know two three dollars a share and then within a day or two it's down back to below a dollar so now this other speak or i'm sorry this other peak Right, right beside it. What happened there? Yeah, so, and this is common. I'll, I can show you, like I said, multiple charts that follow the same pattern. So you have this huge run-up followed by this huge dip. And there are a lot of people, you probably heard the term BTFD by the and dip. <laughs> have you ever heard that? I have not. There's a lot I'm of traders. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of traders that, that do that. They dip by. They like to dip by these massive run-ups. So they'll wait on these dips so this thing went up to over $3 a share, came right back down to under a dollar. And a lot of people are, are dip buying mm-hmm. that because they want in on the next move. So they're mm-hmm. waiting on that dip. So they hit that dip. And then it does have a nice little secondary run up. But then that comes right back down to. So for long term <clears throat> traders, right? If I'm just in this company for whatever reason, maybe I'm I'm the owner and like, look, I believe in my company. And from the beginning of the year, the year, even though it trends, I mean, they, they were, it looked like they were down for a little bit, then they were trending up, and then this huge, you know, a big hump right before the ridiculous hump because of the big hump, <laughs> right? Right. So when I look at that, but once they kind of, it corrected itself down, they're still operating at a higher level than they start at the beginning of the year. Yes, absolutely. And what creates this, this whole little snake that's you know higher than what it was at the beginning of the year uh the term that i use that is not a nice thing to say always but they are they're bag holders they are people who bought the stock at these crazy outrageous levels Uh 
and they don't want to sell until they recoup some of their losses. Ah, and the losses don't count until you actually sell, right? Yes, which I hate that term. I hate Uh Oh, losses? I don't know. I yeah. Well, I don't agree with that. I think, you know, if you some people are like, oh, it's not a loss until you sell. Like, I don't agree with that at all. That's why I cut losses just immediately. But that's a whole nother. OK, so we'll anyway, yeah, th- these are bag holders. <laughs> yeah, these are these are bag holders uh, that don't want to sell until they recoup some of their money. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they're holding a lot of shares that they bought in here that they're not selling. So it's kind of keeping it, you know, at these levels. Mm-hmm. But is that good for the company so or someone who was in before? Any of the increases? Yeah, it's good maybe for the insiders. Mm. That's about it. You know, the the quote unquote CEO, CFO, who are probably some scammy, you know, people. But <laughs> well, we don't want to. We don't want to like, assume. All, all these companies are just so terrible, <laughs> terrible. That's why when I read, dude, there's so many people that think this is the net. Like this particular company. I can't even remember exactly what they did. I feel like it was clothing or something that they were doing, and it was going to be a huge thing. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The the amount of people that were promoting this, thinking it was going to be some massive, scaled business, was crazy. Um, Yeah, I could pull up another chart that will look just like this. This was another one. They're all going to look like this. They all have these massive run-ups and fails. This one didn't really have a great bounce. At one point, you maybe could have bounced it from 17 cents to uh, just under 30, so almost 100% on your money on a on a bounce. But every chart I look like, will pull up will look the same. But the end of the year for the company and the insiders always look the same. Like it's higher than it started off with, right? Right, and it's the it's the bag holders. That's what but that is. The they're, company, they're, they're holding that but up. Can, can't the company use that as like, hey, look how good we're doing? Yeah, because the way companies come up with their market caps that they present to investors or future investors or their stockholders or whatever, they'll all, you know, always refer to their market cap. Their market cap is going to be their share price times however many shares they have available for people to buy. So if their share price... Mm-hmm. At this particular company right now is three dollars twenty three cents. Versus the beginning of the year, it was just under two bucks. So you know, you multiply that number times twenty million shares or more that they have available, that makes that number look a lot more attractive. Right. Um, but they all look like this. This was a major one. This thing went from ten Jeez. all the way up to sixty five. Uh-huh. But I mean, that crash. Look at that. Like just, <laughs> they all look like this. At the end of the day, right. this is what every stock I trade follows this framework. So let me ask you this, shorting a stock, does the graph look inverted? Uh, or are you hoping that the so, graph looks inverted when you're shorting a stock? <laughs> so when I say I follow this framework, I have like, it's like a seven-step framework I've essentially learned that revolves around what you see now. You know, one, two, and three is the essentially the massive run-up. Three is the huge, huge spike. That's mm-hmm. what that is. Uh, four is the huge crash. Five is the bounce. Six is the crash after that. And then seven is just when it falls into oblivion. Right. It's gone. But so when I'm shorting a stock, I'm waiting on what's called the backside. So the huge run up. Mm-hmm. This is where it can get technical too. But you see all these blue candles down here at the bottom? Yes. That's volume. That's the amount of people that are buying or selling that stock mm-hmm. on that given day. So you can see during this huge run-up, right, there was huge volume coming in. 
right? right. Like massive versus what it is now. So you're waiting on the backside, which is these huge fall offs, also followed by huge volume decreases. Oh, that's how you know you're at the backside. So for my for my math heads out there, we're looking for that positive slope, and then you're waiting for the negative slope when you're shorting. Correct, but you have to be careful because there are short sellers who will try to short too early. Like a lot of short sellers, uh -huh. maybe right in here, they were like, "Oh, this is not worth forty dollars a share. There's no way it's going higher." Well, then the next day it went from forty all the way up to fifty-five. So they could have lost their whole account if they didn't cut that loss so you yeah. have to be careful when you short sell because it could just go way higher and you so the difference with shorting and longing on the long side at worst let's say you put in a hundred bucks at a dollar a share and it goes to zero right you've lost a hundred right. bucks on shorting you can lose more than what your initial investment was Ooh. because oh, you're essentially okay. trading on margin so if you put it, if you put in a hundred dollars at a dollar a share because you think it's going to go to fifty cents, but then it goes up to like two dollars and fifty cents, you've lost your hundred dollars plus you're in the hole another fifty bucks that you got to pay your broker. Okay, so it is some risk to the. It's not just oh, you sitting yeah, back there's, safe there's, and fat and like, all right, they're going to fail. Yeah, there's there's risk now. Keep in mind, I have a, a list of rules which I can show you. I don't mind sharing them, but my first rule is cut losses quickly mm -hmm. if i'm wrong if i get into a stock i have a specific thesis specific plan i think it's going to go a specific direction if it goes against me mm -hmm. i'm out i'm out <laughs> immediately i used to really really care and this is something i've grown with a lot of the last six months mm -hmm. uh three months even i used to really really care about my win rate you know, I want it to be right at least 70% of the time. Right. Uh, I have learned <clears throat> as my win rate has went down, my P&L has went up because I don't care anymore about being right. If I'm wrong, that's fine. I'm wrong. And I just cut my loss, keep that super small and let my winners run. So if my win rate now is only 50%, I don't really care because if my 50% winners are an average 20% gain and my average loser is 1%, I, I don't care. What was that term you used? P in what? Profit P&L, profit and loss. P&L. Oh, P&L. P&L, yeah. P&L. Sorry, look, you can tell I'm definitely an outsider. <laughs> no, that's, that's this fine. Is I was an outsider. Like, this, this stuff is right up my alley. There's some risk. There's competition. There's there, math. Is, there definitely is risks. Yeah. But if you – because some people tell – I you know, I can <laughs> – I've heard so many times, oh, you're going to lose all your money. You're going to lose it all. Like, yeah, I would lose it all if I'm wrong and just let that loss run to, a, you know, infinite. Like, yeah, mm. but I don't do that. Like, if I'm wrong, I cut my loss, keep it minimal. I keep it moving. You know, like, right. I don't, I never invest my whole portfolio. I have a set, I have a set, I have a whiteboard that you can't see. Mm -hmm. And on my whiteboard, I have a couple risk rules. And, and the top risk rule is 1% of my portfolio is my max risk. So if in my portfolio, I'm down 1% on the day, I'm done. That's my max risk. And in any given position, I will never put more into a position than whatever 10% of my portfolio is. So if I got a million dollar portfolio, the most I'm going to put in is 10% of that. That's it. Okay. Or a thousand dollars, whatever. You know, the numbers don't matter. It's the percentages that you have to keep in mind. Right. So that 1% is what, a thousand? 
I mean, like you said, numbers don't matter. But how many rules do you have? Do you have like a? Uh, I pull up. Yeah, I mean, please, you. please. So yeah, these are uh, these are what I live by, right? <laughs> um, if I break these rules, which I'm working on my trading psychology, sometimes it's really hard to follow these verbatim. However, if I break them, I lose. Right. Right. I either lose money or I win money and develop bad habits, which is worse. You know, like um, I've seen some some short sellers specifically that will short a stock and it continues to go up and up and up and up and up. And instead of them cutting and getting out, they will actually do what's called adding to their position to try to get their average up. So then when it goes down a little bit, they can try to recoup some losses. It's a terrible thing to do, though, because if they're wrong and it just keeps going up, they just lose more and more and more and more. So instead of cutting losses quickly, they're trying to justify something in their head um, why they're going to be right. But as rule number five says, I have to right, respect, respect price the price action. action. The market is right. Not me. <clears throat> you can't will something to move the way you want it to move. It's just not going to happen. So... Um, one of my, I don't have it wrote down here, but something I'll never, I'll never add to a loser. Some traders will add to losers to try to get their average up or down, depending on what they're doing. Um, I don't do that. I've never once added to a loser. I'm not comfortable doing it. I just, I I don't think it's something I'll ever do, but you'll see that a lot. If you really get into this and follow other traders or, or watch them, sometimes they will add to losers, especially when they're shorting, they'll add to it. Uh, with the expectation of it going down, and I mean, a lot of times they're they're right, but dude, when they're wrong, they can really blow up an account. They can lose hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands. They they can lose more than they put in. Like they could literally blow up their account. So I, I just don't do that. So I this is what I live by. Every day that I trade, I follow these rules. It's just what works for me. Uh, a lot of these I got. There's been a couple people that have helped me tremendously with my strategy or rules or whatever development and they help me with a lot of this too just as far as fit my strategy or whatever or my mindset or what i'm good at bad at so that's just works for me so that's what i use okay oh shoot hang on oh, no, I, I gotta take another yep. break my bad oh you're good let's see where were we at 107 i'll say 106 Hang on. All right, big boy.
Alright, my bad. No, you're good. That worked out. Whew. Bathroom <laughs> stuff. Got him a quick breakfast mm. snacks, what I call them. Which is just like crackers and a banana. <laughs> Alright, go ahead. Oh, look at there. How many dolls do you have yeah, now? Yeah, I let him. We have two. Um, when we got together, I had my dog. She had a dog as mm -hmm. well. So we have two. <clears throat> but this one's mine. So you got four kids too then. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. they all eat about the same amount. <laughs> but one, one eventually is going to stop asking for stuff. As long as you feed them and give them love, that's their cap. The other one's just, yeah, more's coming. How old's the girl? She's 10. How's the boy? Six. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. So, mine are four and two. And I'm just like, whew. If I get them. Yeah, we're up. Yeah, if I get them to like five and seven, I think my life is going to be perfect. We're already in it with the 10-year-old. It's tough. <laughs> What's your, how do you, uh? maybe we'll tack that on at the end. Definitely got to end it. I've got it down here, balance. But you know, talk about all this stuff with balancing with family, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I want to hear about <laughs> some commiseration. It don't have to be show stuff. You let me know what you want to share on the show. No, that's yeah. We can do that. That's okay. Fine. Cool. All right. <clears throat> now let's see. Are we done with rules, or you want me to keep them up? Yeah, you can keep them up. Or you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. I think the last thing you were talking about is I don't give money to losers, essentially. Yeah, I don't add to losers. I don't yeah. add to losers. Right. Which one is that? That's I, that's that's what I was saying. I don't have that as a rule. Sure, you should add it now. Like, it's not one of my rules, but it's just not something I do. Got you. I just don't add to losers. Right, man. So it's up to you. However, I mean, shoot, this is the, the Jew Day, Day Trader show, man. Well, I didn't know if we got into this or not. Or not. Like, I, No, I, I like the breakdown of the rules. So keep going through your rules. We'll say in three seconds. Ready? In three. So, yeah, at the end of the day, um, Mark, it's always me right. Right, not me. Uh, that's why five and six kind of go hand in hand respect the price action never rationalize i can't will a move nobody can will a move mm -hmm. nor can you especially in the market now the market's been insane um what shouldn't make sense in this market is like it makes sense these runners mm -hmm. that should not go up a thousand and two thousand percent in a day like that's what they're doing and we keep seeing that so i don't understand these short sellers that want to be so early uh to short but, I, you know, I just – I don't do that. And that's why, number seven, don't be early. If you're going to short sell, you can't be early. Got to wait for the backside of the move. If you short early and that thing continues to go up, you're going to – I mean, it's scary when you see that red number get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. Like, that's a scary moment. It can mess with your uh, your mind, your psychology, obviously your account. That'll mess with you. So I, um, I just – I wait for the backside. And like I said, I think I said too, I don't, I never add to losers. Mm -hmm. You know, I just don't do that. Um, <clears throat> and from the beginning, I've said this, you know, uh, I always look at a year long chart 
or six months, three months, whatever, always look at the big picture so I can make sure that whatever I'm trading is fitting that big overall framework. You know, if it doesn't fit that framework, mm -hmm. or if I can figure out where that framework it is to create some predictability, uh, I'm not going to mess with it. Um, but sometimes when you get caught up in, like I said, a, a one-minute chart of just in that day, in that moment, mm -hmm. that can create some uh, some bad trades. Wow. Uh, and then from there, it gets a little more uh, specific to me and what I do. Um, like if I'm going long on a stock, I try to, to buy the dips, mm -hmm. essentially buy the weakness, sell the strength. Um, well, see, now that one off the back makes sense. Like some of these, I had to struggle with don't be early part. My, my first reaction to that was like, well, hey, you're always you're on time if you're early. You're late if you're on time. <laughs> Right, yeah, I still live by that. Gotcha, too. gotcha. But you know, like, it took me a minute to adjust. <laughs> yeah, so so that one, uh, don't be an early short, short seller. seller. You don't want to short mm -hmm. sell early when the chart is still right. going up. Um, but when I'm going long, you know, I'm trying to buy those dips, mm -hmm. sell strength. Because a lot of people, when they're going long, they will buy stocks at the top. Right, it's already gone up a hundred percent, two hundred percent, whatever, and they'll buy at the top. You know, and then it just keeps going down. Right. It's frustrating. People will try to buy these breakouts, but they literally buy the top. So I try to wait on these dips. Intraday, it could be an intraday dip. It could be a dip within that day. It could be the, a dip the next day, but it, I'll try to wait on a dip. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to chase an entry. I want to wait on a point where I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then from there, like I said, it's a little more specific to me. Uh, like, is the trade ideal? <clears throat> Stick to known setups. I have three or four setups that I primarily trade. That's about it. I've found if I deviate from those mm -hmm. setups, uh, it doesn't go well. So I try to wait for my setups. If my setup's not there, I try to avoid even trading it. I don't even want to fool with it. So when you say setups, what are we talking about here? So setups being, um, you know, so if, if I'm shorting a stock, right, a lot of times I will, I will want to short the backside of the stock. Mm-hmm. So I will wait for that setup to kind of unfold before I get in. So I want the chart to look a specific way. So if I flip back here, right? So this massive, I think I can zoom in here. This massive run up right here. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. Okay. Got you. So, you know, a lot of times one of my favorite shorting patterns, see there was this, this run up here, this, these four big green candles. Mm -hmm. Took this stock from $35 up all the way to 65 And then this first red candle, because this is a day, right, day to day, this first red candle is what I consider it to be a first red day pattern, right? Okay. It's had this amazing run-up. This stock has doubled in the course of four days. So I'm waiting on this first red day, this first crack mm -hmm. in the pattern. And a lot of times I will I will short the first red day and you'll know it's red from when the market opens. It's, it's red because it's at that gets that where it gets technical. But essentially, I'm waiting for that first red day. Right. When I see that first crack, that first red day, I'll short that. And this would have been a great short. It would have went from 60 and it closed down at 52. So that would have been eight dollars a share, which if you have a thousand shares of that, right. you've made eight thousand dollars. That's nuts. So what happens the next line there where it dips back up? Yeah, so these are called candlesticks. Most 
people when they look at stock charts, I think just look at the lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always use what are called candlesticks. And basically what this does is it takes it from so this 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 when it's first of all when it's red, mm-hmm. right? That you gotta look at the color first. So when it's red, that means it opened here where the candle is filled in. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's where it opened. That's where the stock opened on the day. Okay. The bottom of the filled in red candle is where it closed on the day. So it opened here, closed gotcha. here. These these wicks that go higher and lower. So this stock this particular day actually got up to sixty one eighty nine. It opened here, got up to sixty one or sixty two dollars, and at one point it actually got down to fifty, but it still managed to close at fifty three, basically. Gotcha. So I use candlesticks because it's a good um, for me. It's just a good quick visual. Like I had I had a whole book that I've read on just candlestick charting, mm-hmm. but it's just a good quick visual of. You know, this big green candle here, you know, I know it opened just real quick at 38, right. closed at 52, but I mean, it got all the way up to almost 55 okay. and got down to, you know, so it's just a quick visual representation. I use these for every chart I look at. Intraday, like I can look at it, the chart from uh, the last couple of days. I use candlesticks for everything. That's incredible. So these are, these candles here. Are actually two-minute candles. This so is that's even a minutes. deeper dive. You're like Ant Man, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, candles—that's uh, just that's what I use. Some people, I think, maybe still use line charts. I don't know. I don't. I haven't used a line chart since like I started this. That was the first thing I learned. Real quick was to use candles. That's incredible. But uh, yeah, every every candle, it, and it depends on the time frame. This is a year-long time frame. Every candle um, in these instances is like a day or two, depending on when you're catching it. But yeah, you can go as far out as you want or as far in as you want. So when I'm looking at this, like now with you zooming in and showing the candlesticks and breaking down what they mean, it doesn't look so crazy. Like I feel like I'm learning the matrix here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so every candle is essentially a day. The little blue wicks below it is how much volume it had that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and volume so is people who partic- actually trade it, are buying right. or selling. Right. Right. So this stock for a long time was at $9.60, never had any volume. Oh, I see the little blue candles. I'm just not noticing that. The little blue candlesticks <laughs> at the bottom. Yeah. You can see some tiny little ones yeah. right there. But then, you know, it had this massive run up, massive volume when the backside hit. It was very clear that it was the backside. So, sorry, had to admit. You're good. So yeah, so when you're talking about your rules, going back to your rules here, yeah, what, which one of these are stopping you from like, oh man, this could be, but it's outside of my rule. What's a talk to me about a situation where you've had that happen. Well, uh, so the one I was talking about, number 10, stick to known setups, mm. right? Like if it's if it's not fitting my criteria or like I said, I have three or four patterns that I really trade pretty regularly. First red day that I just kind of talked about one of my favorite, um, my most successful whatever patterns. I have a few others that I will trade, but if, if I don't see a pattern that I'm familiar with, Mm-hmm. If I'm not comfortable with it or I don't find it to be a high odd setup, I will just walk away. I won't fool with it. I won't put it on my watch list, whatever. Um, yeah, that's part of being disciplined, right? 
like at the end of the day because uh, I've, I've gotten into setups that I'm or into a stock that I'm not uh, comfortable with or isn't in my wheelhouse, so to speak, but typically doesn't go well for me, right? That's where I end up losing. So, uh, yeah, and then I, I guess 11 goes with that, like have a trade plan. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just trading these things on a whim, right? Like the day before, uh, and I only may trade on a given day for a few hours a day. Depends on how the day is and what the market is and the action looks like. But I may actually only physical tra- physically trade for a few hours. Right. But the night before, I could be prepping for three or four hours, okay. reviewing charts from the day before and seeing where they're fitting, where they are in patterns, what pattern might be coming. You know, I create these thesis and this trade plan and create a watch list the night before. That way, when I'm at my screens in the morning, I already have stuff I'm watching. I already have plans in place. I have entries exits planned you know there, right. there's a plan 80 percent of my trades come from my created watch list the day before okay i will make some trades in a day on a stock that popped up on one of my scanners or screeners or some breaking news came out because i have apps for breaking news you know a, a, a news feed app that feeds me live news like in the moment um and i have scanners that scan for certain stocks to fit certain criteria. Sometimes stuff will pop up and I will get into it. But 80% of what I do is a planned entry. 